the Utah Conference, Pastor Kingsley Palmer. Pastor Palmer has a special relationship to all of the African-American and the other ethnic ministry in the conference. He serves the conference, but with concentration to relay our concerns and needs, but also, and very importantly, to see that uh, we get all the funding we can out of the brethren. And he's very good at that. In fact, he's going to get us some money for our church school. Amen. 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 He's already, already told me that. But um, that's not why we love him. We love him for other reasons. We, we love him for lots of good reasons. And uh, while I'm at it, uh, Pastor Palmer, in case you haven't heard, Pastor and Sister O'Bannon are on their way to Oakwood this Tuesday for intensive as he progresses in his ministerial uh, graduate education at Oakwood College, or Oakwood University, as we should now make note. And we want to pray for the O'Bannons, and uh, he's already done wonderful service, but I'm sure Pastor Palmer, when he gets back, he's going to be even sharper, and uh, he's going to continue to serve us in a well, and in, in service well and in a good way. Pastor Palmer is a native of England. He was born there and was largely educated there until he matriculated to what was then Oakwood College, now Oakwood University. And it was there that it was my pleasure to work with him. He was leader of our student movement there and we had a lot of happy exchanges. Once in a while a little tension but mainly happy exchanges as he led the student body and even then demonstrated the kind of excellence in ministry and leadership which God has given him. He has pastored in a number of places in Canada as well as India where he and his wife adopted two sons who live there now. They are the proud grandparents through that process of three grandchildren and for the last many years, several years, has been pastoring at our Reno Sparks Seventh-day Adventist Church right here in this conference. He is an energetic preacher, an energetic leader. He is a visionary and he has a heart for the people. I know that God has given him a word, a special word for the singles today. I'm sure he won't mind if the rest of us listen in. But we're looking forward to the word that God has given to him and through him, I know that we shall all be blessed. The next voice you will hear will be that of Sister Eunice Starks who gave us such a beautiful musical number. Can you give her another amen? We thank you, Sister Starks. Would you please come forward and sing for us again, after which we will hear Pastor Kingsley Palmer as he preaches to us from the Word of God.
Can we say amen one more time? Amen. Oh, nothing does a preacher's soul more good than to listen to great, solid, wonderful music praising the name of Jesus. Amen. Let's make sure that this thing is working. Good morning, Abundant Life. Or should I say good afternoon? It's always good to be with you. And I bring you greetings from your sister church at Sparks, who are looking forward to seeing some of you in the next few weeks. You've heard of the regional convocation. I want to extend an invitation for you to come up to a higher place where it's cooler. <laughs> the theme is Countdown to Eternity. I'm not going to take too long, but I just want to let you know that we plan to keep the trophies we took from Vegas last year. There will be a Bible Bowl to see who knows the book of John better. And we just want you to come on up. We have made arrangements for the New Life Church. There is a bus going. We have contributed half the cost to subsidize the, for you to get up there. It's not going to cost you a lot of money because we know these are hard and pressing times, but we want the family to come to be together. I bring you greetings on behalf of Elder Larry Underser, our president. I'm very pleased to report that our churches here and in Salt Lake and also in Reno have been holding their own. You have been more than faithful in your giving, more than faithful in your support. And in spite of these depressing times, God's economy is not subject to the global economy. He's still in the blessing business. And so I want to encourage you this morning as we make ready. Sister Eunice, thank you so very much. I have no idea how much you blessed this poor man's soul this morning through your music. And to Sister Sharon Jackson and her team, I want to thank you for the opportunity that you have given me to stand before you and for you, to you, Dr. Rock, for allowing me to do something crazy in your pulpit one more time. Let us look to the Lord and as we bow in prayer. Father, you are most holy. None of us have the right to sit here, to stand here, to say anything, to do anything, but because of your love, we are here. We thank you and we acknowledge you this morning. You reminded us that your grace, your strength is made perfect in us. Make it perfect in me this morning, for I am weak and I am tired. 
and I do not deserve to be here, but I thank you for your grace and your goodness. Bless us now with a double outpouring of your Holy Spirit in Jesus' name, and let the church say, Amen. Go back with me to the book of Ruth. What book? Ruth, Ruth chapter 1, which was read in your hearing. You know, I have to confess, for several weeks I've been wondering whatever made me say yes to Dr. Rock's invitation, Sister Jackson, <laughs> to come and speak for Singles Ministry Weekend. You see, next Friday, 21 years ago, I will celebrate my wedding anniversary, and so it's been a while in that sense. What could I tell you who are single? Well, early this week, the Lord woke me up very, very earlier than usual. And as I was coming out of sleep into consciousness, Naomi from the book of Ruth began to loom heavily on my mind. I went into my office early in the morning and got online and began to look at this passage once again. While I was doing that, something drew my attention to an email I had received. It had come last weekend from India by a young man called Wilbright from Tanzania. He had just graduated from a top university and he had sent the photographs. You see, I met Wilbright five years ago and I went to visit my second grandchild and when I preached, when I finished preaching, he had just come up to me and we made acquaintance and We've been in touch ever since. The photographs were beautiful. In fact, I brought them with me. By the way, Wilbright is single. Okay? He knows I was going to talk about him this morning. They were beautiful, but there was something wrong with the photographs. You see, in spite of all the pomp and circumstance and the jubilation that a graduation occasion should bring, I looked at Wilbright's face and he was miserable. I have the evidence here. I was, he was troubled, deeply troubled. I emailed, back, I emailed him and I said, what's going on? Why do you look so depressed? Here's what he wrote back to me. Pastor Kingsley, despite being a good day for me, still my mind was engulfed with many things, like some of us sitting here this morning. One of them was the unwelcome verbal attacks I received from my close family members. You see, my brother told me that the words they spoke about me were malicious, discouraging, at a family meeting. In fact, the family was saying, and none of them turned up for the graduation, mind you, that he spent many years in India embracing Adventism. Now we're waiting to see what he does when he gets back home next month. In September. You see, he's the only Adventist in his family. He goes on to say, Pastor, I left Tanzania in July 2002, and I've been here ever since. But yet these evil thoughts persist. Those words were in my heart that day, and that's why I was looking a little depressed. Now I'm almost through with my studies. I'm not sure what's going to happen when I go home. When I read these words, they pierced my heart. And I was grieved in my spirit for World Bright, and I wrote back to him, but we shall come back to this story a little later. As I sat there absorbing his response, with my Bible open to the book of Rome, 
Ruth, and Naomi began to loom high on the horizon of my mind. I wondered what was the connection between Wilbright's story and Naomi. What was the connection? What was the connection between this notable matriarch and this 21st century young African student? What did they have in common? Well, if you stay with me this morning, I'm going to shine the spotlight upon an area of Naomi's life that we don't talk about that much. As the story unfolds, we shall discover that the great gulf of time between what happened with Naomi then and what's happening with Wilbright and some of us now is not that great at all. You see, today we're going to project Naomi front and center. You see, we always talk about Ruth. And there's nothing wrong with talking about Ruth. So I was impressed again to look at the book of Ruth. Ruth, turn with me to Ruth chapter 1, verses 19 and 20. Let's look at the scripture reading again. The Bible says... And most of us know the story. Ruth is on her way back with Naomi, her mother-in-law. Or Naomi is on her way back with her daughter-in-law. And when they get to Bethlehem, the Bible tells us now the two of them says, went until they came to Bethlehem and it all happened when they had come to Bethlehem that what? The city was depressed. Okay, now I want you to pick up your Bibles. It might be the first time this week, but now is as good as any. Hello? Now, you should have been excited when we read that. So let's try that one again. The Bible says that when the two of them came to Bethlehem, and it happened that when they came to Bethlehem, that all the city was what? Because of them. And the women said, what? Is this Naomi? But she said to them, do not call me Naomi, call me Mara. For the Almighty has dwelt very bitterly with me. I went out full and the Lord has brought me home again empty. Why do you call me Naomi since the Lord has testified against me and the Almighty has afflicted me? So Naomi returned with Ruth and the story goes on. I thought I should call this sermon Single but not separate. But something about Naomi's behavior in the story compelled me to speak on the topic, don't call me Mara just yet. What did I say? Don't call me Mara just yet. You see, as we look at the story of Naomi, I want to stimulate your minds and expand your thinking to embrace other definitions and applications of the term Singles ministry. Are you ready? Permit me to suggest, if you will, that it is not what others call, it is not what you call yourself or what others call you that matters. It's what God calls you to do that's important. Whether by choice or circumstance, if you are single or engaged in being in ministry or you're a single that is being ministered to, I want to suggest to you that this term has a broader context, a broader meaning than most of us realize. I'm going to give you seven illustrations. Four, five will be traditional and two will be non-traditional. Are you ready to hear them? And if I miss a category, please forgive me. Traditional singles who minister can be those of you who once had a spouse who no longer shares your life or has been taken away and no longer lives in this life. 
Secondly, there are those who live with a spouse who is not a believer, and so you try to do the church thing with your children, and you end up ministering all by yourself. I know what I'm talking about. My mother was one of them. Third, or you live with a spouse who used to believe, but has abandoned the faith, leaving you to function and minister all by your own, all on your own. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Number four, or you might be looking for Mr. or Miss Wright. But the Lord might be saying that Mr. or Miss Wright is not right for you right now. Hello? Or you may be single and not looking. And I feel your pain. I felt it then. You may be single and not looking, trying to enjoy your life and ministry. You wish, however, that those well-meaning people, especially those who are married, would treat you not as a casualty of consequence, but a conqueror in Christ who is enjoying his relationship with Jesus. Hello? Now let's look at some non-traditional Maybe you have never been married. And you're not interested in being married. And you're not, you don't care about finding a love interest. That's no longer important to you. And now that you are older and the church you once knew has changed, in order not to be looked over or left out, you must now compete in a church to find meaning and, revel and relevance with those who are younger. You see, now they are running the church. You discover that these people have a different philosophy on how church should be run. I mean, you've been going for years. Are you with me? You begin to realize that after all those years of sacrifice and service, that your needs have changed, but then so too has the church. And somehow the new people who are in charge, Sister Jackson, are not in touch with your needs, and you're not in touch with them. Somehow you must find a way to function. Somehow you must find a way to survive. That singles ministry from another perspective. And then number seven, what about those of us regardless of age, or experience, discover that being single in ministry, hear me now, means having to work independently for the Lord while you're still working in the church. What am I talking about? It's not because you want to, but because the ministry team or the, or the, the board of elders or the church board, or yes, the members themselves have a problem connecting belief with practice and you can preach till you're blue in the face, but you're doing singles ministry and, what, you know, and, and, and sometimes you get frustrated. Hello? Are you feeling me this morning? Oh, yes. Or what if you're the person who once left the church and you've come back and you're trying to make it with Jesus, but no one's taking you seriously and no one wants to listen. There's an old saying, when you're right, no one remembers. When you're wrong, nobody forgets. Hello? Whether you are trying, whether you are single, trying to do ministry or ministry singles you out. When you're dealing with people and you know how people are and you're trying to keep it real for Jesus, sometimes you've got to use what I call the Elijah, John the Baptist type singles ministry approach. Okay. Okay. Huh? 
Even Jesus had to use that approach sometimes. When people get difficult, sometimes for Jesus' sake, you've got to go out in order to come in. You've got to stoop down in order to get up. Sometimes you've got to say less and pray more because in time you'll find that neology, what is neology? Makes for good theology. Is that okay? Sometimes that's what you've got to do. But let's get back to Naomi and move on to Wilbright. What happens to us when we start out in life full, but before it is ended, we return home empty? And everyone is asking, is this really you? What happened? Maybe like Naomi on her way to seek a better life in Moab for her family, or like Wilbright or so many of us who have left the places that we once called home to look for something better, to pursue better career prospects. I had my life all planned out, mapped out. Listen to her as she walks back with Ruth. I know I have been gone for some time, but I am at home now. I am back in my spiritual community. However, I feel like a virtual stranger in my own home. She's gone back to Bethlehem, which was known as the house of bread. She's back with her church family. They can see by looking at me, Naomi's thinking to herself, that I have gone through some changes. I'm not the same as I was and oh, this stranger, in case you're wondering, who looks different and dressed differently, is the only family I've got left. So when I walk through the doors, I hope you will do more than say, Happy Sabbath. When the truth is that my week and my life has been anything but happy. But you are too busy to find out. So please don't call me Naomi. Call me Mara. The term Mara in Hebrews means bitterness. How many of you have felt bitter? Are we awake out there? Let me ask. Okay, all right. How many of us have felt bitter? Maybe felt it this week. Huh? The term Mara is the same one used by Israel three days from the um, Red Sea opening when they were in the wilderness. And the Bible tells us that they went to an oasis place to drink and the waters were bitter. Very, very bitter. Exodus 15, 23 through 25. It's interesting that Naomi's name is a contradiction with Mara. You see, Naomi's name means sweet and pleasant. How many of you like to be sweet and pleasant? One, two, three. Oh, my word. Thank you. Oh, I thought I was, well, I was in the wrong place. Hmm. Sweet and pleasant. But now she has defined herself by the experiences that have shaped and molded her life. All of us sometimes, at one point or another, are shaped by the things that happen around us, in us, above us, beneath us. Amen? Amen. 
Mara stands in complete opposition to all Naomi's name suggests. Yet Naomi, interestingly enough, is willing to be called whatever the Lord allows if it is the will of God. Think about that. Maybe she read the book of Job and she discovered some words of encouragement when Job said in Job chapter 1 verses 21 through 22, Naked came I from my mother's room and naked shall I return there. The Lord has given and the Lord has taken away. Even though you may call me Mara, I'm going to tell you, blessed be the name of the Lord. Or maybe she read chapter 2 verse 10. And she said, listen, folks, I know what I look like. I know how I come across to you. But let's get real here. For shall we just receive good from God and not accept adversity? Some of us like to be called by the names that we were once known by in the past. And not what is going on now. I think they call it escapism. Living on past glories while negating the present reality. In the deeper context of Ruth chapter 1 verses 19 through 21, it appears that just like Job, she's blaming the Lord for her troubles. You see, she might have had the right to do so. She had every right to complain. Here she was, single, not by choice, but by circumstance. Yet in the vortex of that traumatic situation, Naomi still had the gift of reason and the power of choice. She had not forgotten her God. Although she knew she couldn't change the Mara of her past, Naomi was not prepared to be ruled by the Mara of the present and let it determine or stymie her future. Listen to me. Yes, she knew she was single, a stranger back at home, but Naomi finds herself in the house of bread. Now something disturbs me, because on the one hand, Naomi is saying, call me Mara. But her behavior contradicts what she calls herself. And I have, a trouble. I have some trouble with people who call themselves one thing and want us to call them one thing and they behave differently. Do you? I want you to be for real. If you're Mara, then stay Mara. Don't confuse me. How many of you have been confused? Still confused. That's your personal problem. That's not mine. <laughs> she finds herself Back in Bethlehem, the house of bread. Naomi knew she was single. A stranger back home. But something happens when you go back to the house of bread. You see, Jesus was waiting for her in the house of bread. Hello? Strange things happen when you find yourself back in the house of bread. She's back in Bethlehem with Jesus. You see, if you left the house of bread, the house of God, the community of faith empty, it could be that law, if you left the house of bread full and you come back empty, could it be that God is trying to tell you something? 
Could it be that he wants to remind us in Matthew chapter 6 where he says, God has a way of supplying all your needs according to his righteousness in, in his riches in Christ Jesus. Something happens with Naomi who calls herself Mara but doesn't behave like Mara but behaves like Naomi in the house of bread. I may have, I may have just lost some of you there. I'll make, it, I'll make sense of it in a minute. You see, in the house of bread, the redundant can become renewed. Huh? In the ho- house of bread, the hopeless can find new meaning. I hope that abundant life is a house of bread. The dormant and the dead find life in the house of bread. And that which was bitter can become sweet in the house of bread. If Jesus is here, I am glad that you have a functional Singles ministry. One that is inclusive. You see, some folks think just because you're separated doesn't mean to say that you're alone. Hello, singles. You've got Jesus. And he's more than what a lot of folk have. Remember, I told you that sometimes I get disturbed when people who want us to call them one thing and behave exactly like another. Notice, it is only in chapter 1, Naomi calls herself one thing, but when she arrives in Bethlehem back home, she acts like, she acts like another. Go with me to chapter 3, verse 1. Here is an interesting text. Ruth, chapter 3, verse 1. This text is loaded. The Bible says, Then Naomi, that is Ruth's mother-in-law, said to her, What? My daughter, shall I not seek what? That it may be what? Well with you. I like the way the New Living Translation puts it. My daughter... It's time I found a permanent home for you so that you will be provided for. This is a loaded text. Why? Because Naomi the widow, Naomi the vulnerable, Naomi the single finds a way to minister to Ruth who represents the next generation. I can't tell you how many mothers I have acquired, how many it took to raise me beside the one back in London. I was something else. Doc was being very kind to you this morning. But he doesn't need to say anything more. That's okay. Naomi, the vulnerable, Naomi, the older woman whose life has almost come to an end, finds a way to minister to the needs of Ruth, who represent the next generation. But in so doing, she also ministers to the need of Boaz, who is the same generation, because Boaz was much older than Ruth. So you thought you couldn't do anything. Well, I beg to differ. Watch this. Let me suggest to you that when Naomi Naomi moved to Moab with her family, that she took her God with her also. How do I know? Even though she had a family and was not alone in Moab to begin with, you can tell after she lost everything and felt that she had nothing to offer offer or roof, that the response by both of them not to leave her speaks volumes. She may not have agreed with Marlon and Chilion for go, stepping out of the frame and marrying girls from a, that other side of the family. 
Hello? But her witness to God was enough to impress those two young girls before they started dating and after they started dating her sons to come into the family. So much so that when she was ready to leave, they wanted to go with her. How many people can you say would follow you wherever you go when you had nothing to offer? The fact that they chose not to leave her speaks volumes. You see, you can still find a way to minister to those who are single at any age and who are alone in Jesus, no matter what comes your way. I remember on a trip to London, and it was one year when I was still a student at Oakwood, I walked into a, an employment agency to find supplemental work, to get back to school, and I remember as I was sitting there, a lady was interviewing another woman for a job. And so the interviewer said to the lady who she was interviewing, tell me, what happened? She said, I'm here to find work because my company has made me redundant. Now, here you say, I got laid off. Is that correct? They gave me the pink slip. Fired. I, I don't want to be confused. I'm confused with the English language. But she said, I was made redundant. I thought, wow. But then the interviewer said something that stuck with me from that time to this. She said, let me tell you something, sis. Jobs are made redundant. People are never made redundant. There's something for everybody to do. Naomi is able to rise above the reality of her condition. Could it be that she sees the bigger picture now that she's back in the house of bread, Wayne? Could it be that she sees that her little piece in the jigsaw puzzle of man's salvation is what she needs to contribute so that we can get Jesus? Naomi derives her happiness and fulfillment through ministry to the needs of others. You see, it is not what you call yourself or what, other call, what others call you that matters. It's what God has called you to do now. That's important. So, what is the link? Let's go back to Wilbright for a moment. What is the link between Wilbright's story and that of Naomi. Both left their homes going out full with great plans for God and the future. Both leave home full with the blessings of family and the best wishes of friends. One is married by choice and has a family while the other is single by circumstance. Yet circumstance robs one of her family while choice separates the family from the young man. Wilbright, ladies and gentlemen, decided that he was not going to profane the Lord's Sabbath in a Hindu country where they don't like Christians, where they don't appreciate the Lord and not take his exams. 
As a result of that, his family put the pressure on him. He would not take his exams on Sabbath. And he went to every single rung of authority in the state of Andhra Pradesh, all the way up to the government in Delhi, so that they could set his exams on another day because he wanted to, them to remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days shalt thou labor and study. And you know the rest. And as a result of it, his family cut him off. His, his sponsor abandoned him and they would not touch him for almost three years. And maybe that's the reason why I was in Andhra that Sabbath and I met him. He was prepared to go through a lot. What's the link? Both become single in different ways. But both find ways and neither one of them gives up being a witness even though they feel like being called Mara. As the story goes, Wilbite persisted and persisted. His folks couldn't understand why he wouldn't take the plane to fly back to Tanzania. But you see, when God takes care of your business, God takes care of it real well. Huh? Don't call me Mara just yet family. I'm not coming home. It, I don't care if it takes me five years, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years. You may separate yourself from me, but don't call me Mara just yet. About a year or so ago, I got a letter from him saying, guess what, Pastor Palmer? What? I can now sit my exams. The highest authority in the, Indian in the Indian education system says, I can sit my exams. So don't call me Mara just yet. Another famous single Paul puts it this way. In Philippians chapter 4, verses 10 through 13. How I praise the Lord that you are concerned about me again. I know you've always been concerned for me, but you didn't have a chance to help me. Not that I was ever in need. Paul, you're in prison for heaven's sake. What do you mean, not that you were ever in need? Paul, they should be calling you Mara, failure. They should be looking at you as a criminal. But he says, no. For I have learned, singles, how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is full, whether my stomach is full or empty, with plenty or little. Why? For I can do some things through Christ who gives me the strength. Uh-uh. Some things. A few things. One or two things. Uh, a couple of things. You're saying it, but I wonder if you believe it. And sometimes the way we behave when we're under pressure, whether we're single, married, or indifferent, people call us Mara, and it sticks. No, I can do all things who Christ, who gives me the strength. I'm looking at Wilbright's photographs. Man, does this boy look depressed or what? But the story doesn't end there. I get another email back 
Pastor Kingsley, it's my pleasure to greet you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. I thank the Almighty God too for his leading during my presence in India. I appreciated your efforts when I was neglected by my family and my friends. But I kept the Lord's Sabbath. And now I understand what it means to follow the Lord in this sinful world. The photos you see taken during the graduation on July 3rd, 2009. Guess who turned up to give me my diploma? The highest diplomatic official from Tanzania. The ambassador himself. Here it is. Don't call me Mara just yet. Because when I've got Jesus, I've got everything. Don't call me Mara but call, because Jesus is everything. You see, he is enduringly strong. He's eternally sincere. He's immortally gracious. He's imperially powerful. He's impartially merciful. So don't call me Mara just yet. He is God's own son. He is the sinner's savior. He's the captive's ransom. He's the breath of life. He's the centerpiece of salvation and civilization. He stands in solitude with himself because I know I got Jesus and I might be alone. Don't call me Mara just yet. He is august and he is unique. He is unparalleled and he's unprecedented. He's undisputed and he's undefiled. Do you know the Jesus that I'm talking about this morning? He is unsurpassed and unshakable. He is lofty He's the loftiest idea in philosophy. He's the highest personality in psychology. He's the supreme and subject, supreme subject in literature. And he's the unavoidable problem in higher criticism. Don't let me confuse you. I don't understand that myself. He's the fundamental doctrine in theology. He's the cornerstone, the capstone, the stumbling stone of all religions. He is the miracle of all ages. And because I know Jesus, Naomi says, don't call me Mara just yet. Because Wilbright, who was single, and Naomi was single, understood when you have Jesus, you've got everything. Don't call them Mara just yet. What does Jesus do? He forgives and he forgets. He creates and he cleanses. He restores and he rebuilds. He heals and he helps. He reconciles and he redeems. He comforts and he carries. He lifts and he loves. He is the God of the second chance, the fat chance, the slim chance. And let me tell you something. He's the God of no chance. Don't call me Mara just yet. He discharges the debtors. He delivers the captives. He defends the feeble. He blesses the young. He serves the unfortunate. He regards the aged. He rewards the diligent. He beautifies the meek, for he is the key to knowledge. He's the fountain of life. Do you know who I'm talking about this morning, single minister? He is the fountain of life, the wellspring of joy, the storehouse of faith. He's the fountain of wisdom. He's the doorway to deliverance. He's the pathway to peace. He's the roadway of righteousness. He's the gateway to glory. He's the highway to happiness. So don't call me Mara just yet. He supplies strength to the weary. He increases power to the faint. He offers escape to the tempted. He sympathizes with the hurting, Sister Jackson. He saves the hopeless, shields the helpless, sustains the homeless, and gives purpose to the aimless. I know this Jesus, so don't call me Mara just yet. He gives reason to the meaningless. He gives fulfillment to our emptiness. He gives light in the darkness, comfort in our loneliness, 
fruit in our barrenness, future to the hopeless, life to the lifeless. So please don't call me Mara just yet. I've got some plans in mind because I'm in the house of bread and I found Jesus. He's the one who welcomes the prodigal, who heals the sick, who cleanses the dirty, and he beautifies the meek. He restores the failure. He mends the broken. He blesses the pure. He fills the empty. He clothes the naked. He satisfies the hungry. He elevates to the humble, and he forgives the sinner and raises them from the dead. That's the Jesus I serve. So please don't call me Mara just yet. The song says, come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus when? just now and this is the time at the end of the message when we need to respond the word of God is not simply to be enjoyed it is to be internalized and it is to be absorbed and when we've heard a word like we've heard today so powerful and straight sweet, true. There must be a response. There must be a response. And that response should begin with those of us who know the Lord, those of us who understand all the ways that this Jesus that has been described works with us. And maybe if you respond, first of all, the singles among that group, I'm not one of those who believes, nor did we hear it in the message today, that being single means being sad. That's not the point. The point is that whoever you are, single or not single, the devil is going to be on you night and day. So you who know the Lord, who are single already, by chance, circumstance, choice, whatever, it's up to you and the Lord. But if you want to respond today by saying yes to the Lord, saying, Pastor Palmer, thank you for the reminder. I stand to my feet to say yes. Don't call me Mara just yet. Don't ever call me Mara. If you're single and you want to respond, you want to stand to your feet right where you are? And maybe, Pastor Palmer, you'd like to pray for us in a more intimate way. So come on down to the altar, would you, while we sing. Won't you come, you who are single, this is your day. This is your special reminder. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Just press right on down to the front. Press right on down. This is your response. This is Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Right 
the pianist continues to play, let's pause in our singing while I ask this question. Because, you know, I have a special spot in my heart for single parents. Yes. And the rest of you who aren't parents, you wouldn't mind this little diversion, would you? All of you who are single parents, mothers or fathers rearing your children, if you want a special little spot in this prayer that Pastor Palmer is going to offer, would you raise your hand? Lord, help me with my son. Help me with my daughter. I was raised by a single mother. And I heard her say one time, she didn't know I was listening. Lord, I don't know what to do with this boy. <laughs> yeah, she didn't know I was listening. But I, I heard her, thank you, put your hand down. I heard her tell somebody on the phone, pray for me. I heard her crying. And she said, Lord, I don't know what to do with this boy. It meant something to me to know that she loved me that much and she would cry and plead to the Lord. And you're trying to rear your children and you might need help with your boy, your yes. girl, yes. or your children. Yes. Pastor, include that in your prayer in a moment, yes. would you? Now the rest of us may be married, we're in homes, and I'm going to throw something else at you. They didn't ask me to say this. But you know, instead of inviting each other home for dinner on Sabbath, you need to be inviting some of these folk with their little children. Yes. You know? Mm. Instead of us just having that sweet fellowship, married couples all the time, how about looking around the church and remembering, here's a young brother just baptized. Here's a young lady. Bring her into your home. Maybe they would appreciate the warmth and the love and the extended family that we have. Is that all right for you and for me? How many of you out there will respond by standing and saying, Lord, help me to be more helpful, yes. especially to the single parents and anybody who may need my help? Would you like to stand and really mean it? That means you're going to look around and really mean it. These folk didn't ask me to say this. And, and, and they don't want any body pitying or they, they, it's just not about that it's about fellowship and you promise that you'll be more sensitive and that you just won't run with your same little group all the time but you'll break out and reach out and do something special and the final part of this appeal is for anybody here young or old single or not who in the message today, don't call me Mara, you want to say, don't call me lost either. Mm. Include yes. me in those who are going to be saved in God's kingdom. I've been studying the commandments. I've been reading about the Sabbath. I've seen these people going to church on Sabbath with their Bibles. And I want to know more so that I can be prepared to be a part of this group of people that's keeping the commandments of God, including the seventh-day Sabbath. Would you like to stand where you are, please? Whoever you are, you're here, just stand. God bless you. Who else? Stand. As the preacher prays, I know your name, but who else? If we don't know your name, we'll send somebody to get it. You're not already a part of the household of faith. But you're going to stand and say, yes, I want to walk with God's remnant people. Let's sing. He will save you. He will save you. He will 
Anybody else? Before the pastor concludes with prayer. Just now he will save you. He 